0: And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Let me ask you this question to, to consider uh, or to think about. How many of you have ever felt like giving up before? Yeah. Yeah, it happens, right? You ever felt like giving up? And there's all sorts of ways in which we can feel this, all sorts of parts of our life. Maybe you had a dream one time that you were going to do this thing, and maybe you're going to start a business, or you had this idea for a product, and it just wasn't working. And there were so many roadblocks and so much resistance, and it just wasn't happening. And it's easy to just be like, okay, people don't need that business. People don't need that product. It just wasn't meant to be. Uh, or maybe you, you've tried, maybe what you're trying to give up is giving up. Uh, or maybe what you, you, you think you need to give up is giving up because you have a habit that you're trying to give up and it's hard and it's painful, and it's inconvenient, and it's frustrating, and maybe it changes and alters your mood depending upon what it is you're trying to give up. And so maybe you're like, you know what? It's just not worth the trouble. I've tried to make this change before. I've tried to do this weight loss plan before, and it worked for a while, and then I gained it all back and more, and I tried it again. The same thing happened over and over, so it's just not going to happen. I'm going to give up on giving up. Or you think it's just too painful, too inconvenient. It's my li- I know this thing is not good for me, but my life seems better when I have this a security blanket, and so I just, I'm just going to keep it. I'm going to give up on giving up. Maybe even in your marriage, right, you felt, you've had those times where you're like, this is not going to work. This is not happening. This is not what I signed up for X number of years or months ago, right, and it's just not worth the pain, and there's been too much that's happened, and there's too many things, and it's just too difficult, and so we're just going to give up, right? You've felt like giving up before. Maybe you have. Maybe you've been there, Or maybe in one of those areas or a different one, maybe you're there right now. You've got a situation maybe nobody else knows about or very few people know about, and you're on the brink of just throwing in the towel and giving up on a dream or a goal or a relationship or whatever it is. So if that's where you are today, today is for you. So today we're going to continue our series called Lost Art, and we're going to, uh, once again, spend two weeks on one topic. And so this week and next week, we're going to talk about this idea of perseverance. So the this, this series Lost Art is all about what we're calling classical virtues, uh, ways of living uh, that used to be c- commonplace in our culture, but more often are becoming less commonplace. And perseverance is one of those. It's so easy anymore to quit on anything, and people will just... Pat you on the back and say, It's okay, you, you kind of sort of tried and you gave it an e- a decent effort, but right? that's fine. And you know, it's like we, we're, we become such babies at things, we don't want to push through any pain anymore. And I think if we kind of recapture that, uh, it will pay dividends for us and for society. So, again, uh, like last, our last time, last two weeks, we talked about honor. And it was originally one week, and now it's two, and this is the same way. So Thursday, I'm looking over what I got, and I'm like, this is not going to work again. Uh, I don't have 90 minutes to talk at one time, and so we're going to split this thing in half. So today, we're going to look at this idea of perseverance, how it fits in our everyday life. And then next week, we'll talk about this idea of spiritual perseverance how perseverance can affect your spiritual life. So today's more physical, pra- very practical today, and next week is how this same topic fits into our spiritual life and spiritual growth. So that's where we're going to be. So let's start with two scriptures just to kind of whet our appetite on this topic of perseverance. They're both from the New Testament. The first one is Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Paul writing here writes this, so let's not get tired of doing what is good, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And then Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 37 says this So do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. So there was a book written in the mid 1990s, and it was called "It's Called the Adversity Quotient." Adversity Quotient, um, and so the the subtitle of the book is "Using Obstacles as Opportunities." And the idea here is: Why do some people succeed, and why do others not? Why can some people make their dreams come true and others do not? And so what really the main idea of the book found is that IQ is not a matter of success as much as what the book calls AQ, adversity quotient. Intelligence quotient doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a success compared to somebody else whose IQ might be lower. What, he, what this author says in this book is your AQ, your adversity quotient, is much more important than your IQ. And that's where he says success or failure really come into play. There's another book um, that I, I've read recently that's from 2016, it's a little more recent, it's called Grit, and it's by Angela Duckworth, and it's a similar idea, and honestly, as far as like a secular psychology self-help book, it's pretty good. Uh, it's not faith based at all, but it, it is, it's okay, and what, what really is the main thing that I get from this book, well there's several things, but one of them is she invented what's called, she calls a grit scale, a grit scale you can determine how much grit you have how much perseverance you have and this scale is early on in the book but it's uh, basically 10 questions with a scale from 1 to 5 and you rate yourself on these 10 questions and then you look at the numbers in it you get the average and that tells you from basically 1 to 5 what your grit scale is how how much you can persevere and she's saying The similar thing to the previous book, that the higher you score on this scale, the more successful you'll be. Now, it doesn't mean success in like you're going to be a famous movie star or, you know, a musician. It just means that whatever you're trying to do, the more grit you have, the higher adverse, or the higher, um, what is it? Adversity quotient, I was right. Uh, The higher you score, the more successful you'll be at whatever you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to accomplish. So adversity is a big deal. It's important. And these, again, these secular, psychological psychology type books self-help books are helpful in this realm but there is a book that's way more important and actually speaks on the subject with even more authority and that's the bible and so the bible talks about adversity quite a bit so what i want to do today is kind of look at a very famous old testament story if you're if you grew up in church you no doubt heard this in children's church or kids church right uh it's the story uh of jericho joshua and jericho and it's in, or it's in uh, Joshua chapter 6. And so we're going to look at this story today and see uh, how, what adversity is, why it's so difficult, and why, but why it pays off. So what it is, why it's so difficult, but yet why it pays off or how it pays off. So let's set up the story here at the very beginning of Joshua chapter 6 and look at uh, how adversity is needed for this situation that they come across. So this is Joshua 6 starting at verse 1. It says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. I think that's an interesting place to start. The people inside this walled, gated kingdom are scared of those outside, so they shut themselves in. Interesting. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn, on the seventh day you are to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So we're talking today about perseverance. Now I think we would know, we would assume automatically perseverance is good. And if you didn't think it's good, we're doing this in a series of classical virtues, which are good traits. And so perseverance is obviously a good, positive, helpful, healthy trait. But we also know that perseverance is difficult. We've already established that at the outset. It's not, it's, it's easier said than done. So what I want to do with the majority of our time today is look at why. Why is perseverance so difficult? Why is it so hard to push past pain? or discomfort? Why is it so hard to change certain things to better ourselves when we, I just, I can't, or I don't want to, or I don't feel like it anymore, or whatever? Why is perseverance so difficult? And there's two main reasons that we'll look at with this story in Joshua chapter 6 today. So the first reason that perseverance is so difficult is because many times we just simply lack proper perspective. One reason that perseverance is so difficult is because of lack of perspective. I want to show you a a picture, a drawing of Jericho here. Now we have these drawings because for about the last 70 years or so, uh, archaeologists have been digging up what they believe is the ancient city of Jericho and it's in the right spot. It, there's been some debate on if the materials are in the right timeline in history, in the right age, uh, but there is firm, pretty firm belief for the last 70 years that the site of Jericho is being unearthed. And so here's a rendering of what it would look like, and so this gives you an idea of the perspective of Joshua and the Israelites. So we talk about the walls of Jericho, but as you can see, there are layers to the walls. And there might be even more layers than what you can really understand. So let me show you here. So this bottom part that you see that's more brick, that, so what, what that is believed to be is a retaining wall. So it's not like, it's not protecting the city, it's keeping it from falling down the hill, okay? So this retaining wall is somewhere between 12 and 15 feet high. That's just the base layer to build the rest of the city on. On top of that layer is another uh, wall that is believed to be somewhere between 15 and 25 feet tall. So we have a 12 to 15 foot tall retaining wall. We have 15 to 25 foot wall built on top of that. And that's just the first layer of wall around the lower part of Jericho. So as you can see, the city continues to kind of go up the hill. There's a lower part in that inner, the outer ring. then in the inner part, there's another wall. That is built on top of that, that's somewhere between 15 and 30 feet tall on its own. So consider now, uh, with trying to do the the math here in my head, which I'm not a math person, right? But consider Joshua's perspective in this moment. God says, I'm going to give you this city. It's part of the promised land, okay? And he gets there, and they look, and on this hill, there's this city, and there's somewhere between 40 and 70 feet of wall guarding this city. It's not like a, you know, a waist-high wall you can just jump over. okay? It's not even a wall that you can jump and scale. We're talking multiple stories high of wall that cannot... That, again, the people have barred it shut. No one can get in or out. There's no, Nothing's going to happen here. You can't knock it over. If, if you even try, they're going to have their own troops that are going to come attack you from the inside. So this is a perspective that would be nearly impossible for Joshua to conceive that this could actually happen. God said, I'm gi- I've given you this, but when we look at this perspective from, from their view, it doesn't seem possible. And on top of that, the plan that God has to overcome this obstacle seems kind of dumb. He says, Don't build your army. Don't, don't make these huge things to knock holes in the wall. Don't, don't like, get these you know, ninjas that can scale you know, from side to side and get up. Like, he says, No, just march around the city, march around the wall. Again, our perspective, that plan looks foolish. That plan is not going to work. So when we lack perspective, it's hard to persevere. So what Joshua had to do from the very beginning was do his best to see things from God's perspective. Again, the first thing that God says before he gives any instruction, the first thing he says is, this plan is going to work. What I'm about to tell you is going to work. I've given you this city, its king, and all its mighty men. It's yours for the taking. Now here's the problem, and here's the plan to solve that problem. And similarly in life, many times all we can see in our situation are walls, right? That's part of the problem of perseverance. Maybe you have this goal or you had a goal of maybe getting out of debt and so when you look at that huge number that we're trying to pay down, that's a wall. That, there's no way we could, there's no way we can pay this number off. There's no way we're going to get out of this hole. There's no way that this is going to happen. All we see from our perspective is the wall. Or another wall might be you make this plan and you have the budget lined up and guess what happens? Something breaks. That's not in our new budget and we can't fit we can't afford to fix that on this new budget we're trying to pay this thing off and now this thing falls apart and then guess what happens you fix that thing and then something happens with something else and it falls apart everybody anybody ever had that happen before you think everything financially is just lined up and it's all perfect and the plan cannot fail and then your car breaks down your refrigerator stops running and it's like what is going on all we can sometimes see from our limited perspective is this huge wall And then even with the plan that we try to make, sometimes those plans seem foolish. Like, we have to get how drastic and cutting our spending to pay this thing off? That's crazy. We're not going to do that. We could not survive on that number, you know. Or or on the other hand, you're like, okay, we're going to try to do all this extreme stuff to meet this goal, and that's not going to still be enough. This is not going to work. So in very practical ways in our lives, sometimes we have this goal or this thing that we're trying to do or achieve, and all we can see is the wall. All we can see is the reasons why this will not work. All we can see are this list of reasons to quit, to not persevere. Or maybe uh, you're trying to, you know, reset your devotional life. I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to pray every day, okay? It's a great goal, but when you just take the Bible, that's a huge book. You're like, okay, that's intimidating, I'm trying, I really want to get to know what God says, but where do I start? What do I read? What does it mean? You know, we have all these questions, and what, what is going on? And then you think, well, if I'm going to pray, I, I probably should get up earlier. And that works for like three days, right? It's like by Thursday the first week, you hit that snooze, hit that snooze, hit that snooze, and then you're late to work because you slept in because you were trying to avoid getting up early, you know? So, again, now if you can get up early, that's great. If that's a good time for you to have devotions, that's fine. But it, it, it is a grind, right? It's a grind. We'll talk about this a little more next week, but they're called spiritual disciplines for a reason. Because as much as we want to enjoy them, and sometimes we do, and as much value as there is in these spiritual disciplines, it takes discipline to do those things. It's not always easy. We have to persevere even in that. So we have to change our perspective even on how we see something like that. Or maybe you are facing a relational issue. Maybe it is your spouse. Maybe it is a family member. Maybe it's just even your next-door neighbor. And there's been a rift there. There's something that's happened. There's some words that have been said, uh, whatever. And there's, just, there's something there that you want to repair. But sometimes when we even have those goals, all we can see are the walls. Well, I'm going to have to have some really difficult conversations with this person that I don't want to have. Wall. Reason to not push through. Reason to not persevere. Or maybe you try to schedule uh, to get together with this person. You're like, my calendar's full, their calendar's full. I guess we're just going to hate each other forever because we can't get together and talk, right? We, wall. We, sometimes we even make little reasons, big walls, big reasons to not push through because we don't really want to push through the discomfort or the pain or the awkwardness, even though in the end we want that reconciliation and that broken relationship, but it takes work and perseverance to make it happen. So we all, sometimes all we can see are walls. We have to change our perspective in order to persevere. And it looks different in every situation and every person, uh, whatever you're facing. But still, we have to look past the wall and see, okay, what's the plan that God has? It may seem foolish. It may seem like it's not going to work. But let's give it a go. Let's push. Let's start marching. So there was a young high school basketball player in the late 1970s. And he seemed to be up and coming and promising uh, locally but he ended up being in 10th grade, a sophomore, he was cut from his junior varsity team. Not even the varsity, not even a starter, he was cut from his JV team. And so there we see a wall. He has this goal of being a professional basketball player one day, but I can't even make the JV team as a 10th grader. And so a little bit of help here, he actually grew several inches that next summer, and then when he came back, he was back and better than ever. But what was more important than his physical growth was his growth in his attitude, He took what could have been a wall and would have been for most people and it drove him to compete and train and get better and practice and this 10th grade kid from the late 1970s his name is michael jordan right just imagine if little mike jordan in 10th grade had said that's it i'm done with the sport i quit i mean now if you don't care about sports you're like okay you know who cares right um but it's not even just, a, like, for someone like me that grew up, like, this is the man, you know. Uh, it would just be totally different. And, and even, like, the shoe industry would look totally different. He revolutionized footwear. Like, he literally did that. You can ask my son. He knows all about that, okay. <laughs> he can tell you all the brands and all the cool stuff. That's, it. That's his department. So he took this setback, and he, but he had proper perspective, he didn't say i'm done it's too hard i'm no good he said i'm gonna have the chip on my shoulder the rest of my life and still to this day in his 60s he still has that chip on his shoulder he wants to beat you at everything okay he wants to kill you at paper rock scissors he wants to destroy you he's just he has that edge and i think it started in that time in his life he had proper perspective and he met his he reached his goal Another example from history is Thomas Edison. So he has this lab set up, and he's got all these patents on all these other things that are going on in the late uh, 19th century, early 20th century, and he decides he's going to perfect the incandescent light bulb. So he's in his lab over and over, trial after trial, bulbs exploding, glass flying everywhere, electricity is just, you know, shooting from where... And so he does this over and over and over and over again until finally, after nearly a thousand test runs... He gets it just right. And then we have these bulbs that we have today in large part to that perseverance. And it started with that proper perspective. So once he became, you know, Thomas Edison, like the guy that we know now, the press asked him later on in his life, you know, what he thought about failing a thousand times before getting this bulb just right. And he said, well, I didn't fail a thousand times. I learned a thousand ways to not make a light bulb. That's perseverance through proper perspective. There's all sorts of time. I mean, can you imagine like trial 438 and another bulb explodes? and He's like, okay, that's my limit. 437 was bad enough, but 438, I'm not pushing through. He pushed through like another 550 times after that, okay? Perseverance through proper perspective. We have to be the same way with our lives. We have to see not what we can see, but we have to try to see from God's perspective. And if you can't do that, then try to remember that God has a different perspective than you have, and if you can't see it, he can see it. And he's on your side, propelling you forward to whatever he has planned for you, and hopefully that alone will propel us forward into more perseverance. So what we have to do, as we'll see in the story, is just keep marching. Just start marching and keep marching. But that leads to the second reason uh, why perseverance can be so difficult. It's not just uh, that we lack perspective, but that it's also we can lack uh, perceived progress. We look at what we're doing, we're marching, 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 nothing's happening. That's what happens here in Joshua 6. So verse, down to verse 11, Joshua 6, 11, it says, So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, the first day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. That's day one, right? So on the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. Now again, imagine Israel having these instructions. If you march around the town long enough, the walls will just give away, you know? It seems weird, but they started marching. <clears throat> and day one, they march around, and maybe they're kind of excited. Oh, what's going to happen today? They go home, and nothing happened. So they get up day two, like, okay, today's the day. Today's something, we're going to hear the rocks start to crumble. We're going to see little pieces fall or something's going to happen, right? So they march around the city of Jericho again, day two, nothing happened. Day three, day four, day five, day six, nothing happened. This plan is not working. I have a six-day money-back guarantee, God. This plan failed, right? So they have very little progress to show for all their labor. So this lack of perceived progress can make perseverance difficult. And it's true, again, with our lives. It's the same principle. Life is basically like a road trip, and what we are are the annoying kids in the back seat. Are we there yet? That's what life is. It's a continual question of are we there yet? Have I reached my goal yet? Have I got enough yet? Do I feel what I'm supposed to accomplish has happened yet? That's where we are. And so there's different ways this can happen, too. You know, maybe you do have a weight loss goal or you've made a weight loss goal. Sometimes you would think your scale would be your friend. But sometimes it's your enemy, right? I have done all of this. I have cut back on sugar and I've cut back on bread. And I don't know why you'd ever want to do that. That's a terrible diet plan. Cut off, ugh, gross. But anyway, some people do that, okay? They cut back on sugar and carbs. And it's just I know it works, but ugh, gross. anyway. So maybe you do that, and you get on the scale, and you're, looking for, you're hoping for a number, and it's like, how did I gain half a pound this week, right? The scale is your enemy. You, you lack perceived progress. You don't see what's happening. It can be hard to then continue on uh, with this terrible no bread, no sugar diet. Gross, that's terrible, right? As you can tell, I'm a big fan of dieting, for sure, as you can tell. Or maybe you've even done, a, a, like, a project at your house, a DIY project, and you think, man, we've been doing this for like three weeks, and have we accomplished anything besides just making a mess? You know, sometimes you look at that, and you're like, ah, that, mm, we need to call somebody in to fix this, because this is not going to work. That's typically, again, what I do. Or maybe on a more serious thing, even when we go back to like a marriage relationship, and you, there's been s- s- strife for so many months or years, and there's such division, and you're thinking, okay. We've been trying to do this stuff different. We've tried to make these rules and goals in our relationship and how we talk to each other and how we interact. Maybe even tried to go to counseling, and you look back maybe six months later, and you're like, has anything gotten better? Like, I just don't know that anything's really changed. Like, we still don't seem to really like each other very much. We still yell at each other all the time. Like, I don't see how any of this is working, and it can be hard to continue to persevere if we don't see any progress. It sometimes can feel like instead of going forward, we're going backward. We're spinning our wheels. Life is, life is not supposed to be going on a treadmill, right? But I'm doing all this work and I'm not getting any results. Sometimes it can feel that way. There's another story of a young um, illustrator who actually lived in Kansas City at the time. Uh, it was back in 1919. And he was working for a local advertising sort of company. Illustrations. He would do kind of small jobs and that sort of thing. And then three months into this new job, the whole company folded. And so this young kid is now unemployed completely. Has this dream, has this goal, but there's nothing to show for. There's no progress here. So over the course of the next three years, he tries to start two brand new companies on his own. Neither one of them take off very well. And so he leaves and goes out west uh, to California to start uh, what would become the Walt Disney Company. And you think, oh man. He's made it. He's out there. So this is 1923 when Walt Disney moves out to Hollywood to start the Walt Disney Company with his brother, Roy. Uh, and you think, oh, he made, it! he made it. He made it. No, 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 no. It took 14 more years for him to really break through all the way to get to where we know him today. So it took a young kid losing his job, trying to start his own thing, failing, moving across the country to start this thing. It took years and years and years and years. So even once he moved out to California to start this company, he got a few small projects for four or five years, but nothing really big until 1928, uh, this, this work called Steamboat Willie with this character named Mickey Mouse. And you would think, okay, now he's made it wrong. Now, he, he progressed, he, he got closer to the goal, but he wasn't there yet, because for nine more years, he stuck spinning his wheels with small project here, and small thing that, and this little work here that nothing to brag about. It's not until December of 1937, when Snow White and the Seven Dwarves opened in theaters, that his career then began to skyrocket. So you think, oh yeah, it's, you know, he's such a success story, and he is, because he persevered because he saw limited progress for almost 20 years. He saw a little progress, and then a setback, and then a little progress, and then a setback, and then a few more, little success here. Then finally, he did that for almost two decades, and then he finally became the man that we know who changed basically the entertainment industry in many ways. Here's what he said about this idea of perseverance. He said, all the adversity I've had in my life all my troubles and obstacles have strengthened me. You may not realize it when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the best thing in the world for you. I would not see it that way, probably. <laughs> Hence, I'm not going to start the Walt Disney Company version, too, okay? Uh, he has this, this idea of perseverance that is rare, he has this idea of perseverance that is rare, but doesn't have to be. Again, we're talking about this lost art of perseverance. If we can kind of see things from that perspective, again, have a proper perspective, and try to see whatever little progress there is, is still progress. I think what, this, what these stories and this quote specifically show us is what perseverance is, is simply this idea. I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm not where I was either. That's all perseverance is. One foot in front of the other, one step closer to the goal. I'm not going to get there in one step. You're not going to fix your marriage in one second, okay? It may take months or years to get there. It might, whatever the issue is that you're facing, whatever that goal is, it's going to take lots of steps, maybe some red tape to cut through to get to where you want to go. That weight is not just going to fall off, especially if you're like me and you're not going to give up carbs and sugar no matter what, okay? Uh, So it's not going to happen like we want it to, but if we have proper perspective and see the limited progress for what it is, we can, by and large, persevere more often, So then the question is, okay, I I see why it's important to do that and why it's so difficult, but then what's the result? If I push and push and push, if I march, 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 if I persevere, what's the payoff? So let's finish up this Joshua story. Joshua 6, verse 15. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before, but this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded, the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, shout for the Lord has given you the town. When the people heard the sound of ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. So the walls were high. The plan seemed foolish. The progress seemed non-existent. But for Joshua and the people, their persistence and their perseverance paid off. They stuck to the plan, they tried to see things through God's perspective, even though things were happening slowly or not at all, they didn't quit. They persevered. They followed the plan to the end. And that's the thing, is it's so easy to quit, isn't it? It's the easiest thing to do is to stop doing what you're doing. It's so easy just to drop that thing or forget that person or let go of that goal or that dream, right? It's so easy to do that, but we need to be perseverers, I want us to recapture this lost art of perseverance. Again, maybe it is a dream that you had at the first sign of resistance. You just, I'm going to tuck tail and run. I'm going to cut my losses now while I can, and I'm going to quit. But we need to have proper perspective and see real progress for what it is and persevere. Maybe it is that habit or addiction that you're trying to break, and it is hard, and it is inconvenient, and there is pain involved. But we have to have proper perspective. Hard things are worth doing hard things are worth doing and if we want to see change then we have to change and the other part of perspective here is in the midst of that pain or whatever that might look like in that situation god will give you strength to endure whatever it is you're facing whatever loss you feel oh i I need that thing back because i have to have it or i can't learn to live without this or i can't learn to live on less whatever that thing is that we're trying to cut out god will strengthen you to sustain you through those dark times for those moments of doubt and worry and fear of the unknown. What if I do all this work and nothing changes? God will be with you to help you in perseverance. Maybe again in a relationship and you say, okay, we we still disagree, we still don't see eye to eye, things are not improving. Let's just we're just going to have to agree to disagree forever about everything. But proper perspective understands, especially with marriage and also with friendships, I believe, is to remember you're on the same team here. Okay, we're trying to fight together, not fight against each other. And it's worth the fight. And in that with proper perspective, God gives wisdom. God will help you to grow and mature yourself so the other person involved in this marriage or relationship, if you're both growing individually, hopefully the idea is you grow together. It may take some time. It may be awkward and painful at times, but if we're doing if we're following the plan and we're marching and marching and marching and persevering, we will see what we want to see. It's too easy to quit. So let's persevere. And here's what it comes down to. What this story in Joshua shows us, if you want the walls to fall, you've got to keep marching. Okay? If you want the walls to fall in whatever situation, if you want to reach that goal, you want to save that relationship, you want to stop that habit, you want to change this situation, you want to attain this, uh, whatever, if you want the walls to fall, you've got to keep marching. Perseverance is required to do anything that's worth doing. Quitting cannot be an option. Quitting cannot be something that we just, oh yeah, that's fine, I'll just throw that away. All those years of toil and work and pain, and, uh, yeah, just throw it away. Why? Why will we do that? So we want to have proper perspective and see things the way that God sees them. At the very least, see that God is on your side, and that can help you forward. And then also see that whatever little progress there is, is still progress as we put those two things in practice together and combine them it's powerful perseverance is powerful and it can change your life